Welcome back in everyone to another amazing episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by an incredible artist, Brandon Kazon Maddox, who is an ASL artist. They're also with two other companies, Body Language Productions and Up Until Now Collective. They do incredible work within the theater, and we're so excited to bring you an insight into what they do as an ASL artist, as well as some upcoming and past projects that they've got. So with that, let's go ahead and welcome our guests on today. Brandon, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Well, hi there, Andrew. It's so nice to meet you. Yes, my name is Brandon Kazen Maddox, and I'm happy to be here. I am so honored to have you here, and I'm so excited to learn more about what it is that you do as an ASL artist. So why don't I go ahead and start with the question I feel like is on all of our minds, which is, can you tell us a bit about what you do as an ASL artist? Yeah, definitely. So to start, I my grandparents are deaf. So I'm a grandchild of deaf adults, which you've heard the term CODA, a child of deaf adults. That means your parents, your mom or dad are deaf and you were raised with sign language and deaf culture in your life. My mom is a CODA and I have aunts and uncles who are CODAs and there are actually seven deaf people in my family. And I was raised in a household with all of those people together. And that makes me a Goda, a grandchild of deaf adults. So that's where my sign language experience and deaf culture knowledge comes from. And so with that, I think, you know, sign language really set my brain in a very visual, gestural, kinesthetic perspective. I'm also fluent in Spanish and French and and English, obviously. So language is my thing. And um, I'm a dancer. I went to NYU Tisch and, and have my MFA in dance. And I also love to sing and, and know music. So with all of that, you know, I started my career really as a gymnast when I was four to 10 and then a dancer and a cheerleader and then a circus artist. And so as a tumbler, I was like, I want to use my talents to tumble. And then while I was in the circus in San Francisco, I made a piece of, of work where I signed a song and filmed myself signing a song completely in ASL. And then I projected that behind me. And then I, on stage, danced that same song and did sign language and tumbled. And that way deaf people would be able to see the entire song and not miss any of the lyrics. And they would see me dance and tumble and sign. And so that was where my performance career started. Uh, and then during that time period, deaf people met me and said, well, you should become an interpreter. So back in kind of 2010, 2011, that's when I started my journey as an interpreter, a professional interpreter. And from there, at the same time, while working with the community, I started interpreting theater, Broadway shows. So Newsies was my first show, my first big touring show that I did, which was beautiful and wonderful. And I've done many, many Broadway shows ever since. Plus, you know, theater, theater productions that involve music, dance, deaf folks, hearing folks, people from the disability community, etc. So as an ASL artist, I've understood that there is a distinction between being an ASL interpreter 
and being an ASL artist and a performer. And I, as a as an original performer, bring all of that to my ASL interpretation. But with my own life and with the art that I make, I have decided that I'm transitioning very strongly into the world of artistry and specifically ASL artistry. So that's that's kind of the things that I do. But I work with huge cultural institutions like Lincoln Center, The Shed, Little Island. You know, I, I've worked with at the Met. These are all in New York where I moved in 2017. But yes, and my huge goal is to always work with and alongside the deaf community. So I don't tend to go by myself to interpret things or do theatrical productions or musical productions. When I do work in the theater that or in music that has to do with sign language or film, I always bring a deaf interpreter with me. So that is a person who's called a director of artistic sign language or a dazzle. Sometimes people use an ASL coach, but for myself as a native signer, first my first language is ASL, which is what I grew up with, along with English. And it's important for me to make sure that there is deaf representation in all of the work that I do that involves sign language. So that's why I always bring a deaf person with me if I'm creating ASL in film, television, theater, musical performances, etc. And then what I will say is I also work really hard to bring deaf interpreters with me for performances, and especially deaf interpreters of color, BIPOC interpreters, deaf interpreters who are part of the LGBTQAI community, the queer community, and deaf interpreters who really represent the people and the content that I've been assigned to interpret into American Sign Language. That's because representation matters and it is important. And you have linguistics and culture, which are both a part of the work that we do in the theater. Wow. I love all of that. That's so incredible. Thank you. What what has been your experience as an ASL artist in the theater? I mean, for myself, I love music. I love when I look for good quality shows, I look for quality of movement and sign choices when I'm watching American Sign Language. So that's how I choose my teams, my directors of artistic sign language and my deaf interpreter teams and also my hearing interpreter teams as well. I'm always looking for quality of movement and for their instinctive choices in sign language. I, every time I go watch theater or whether it be a musical or, you know, straight theater, I always hunger for more movement and more sign language. You know, even when I'm, I come from the dance world too. And every time I'm watching dance theater or even just the ballet or, or a Broadway musical with dancing, I'm always like, I need more. I need the sign language. And I'm happy that our community, our, our theater world is really embracing sign language and deaf people and signing people. That's a really good thing. And it's something that I've done my whole entire life. So I'm happy that the recognition is happening now. But I haven't, I, I haven't really seen what I want and what I know can be 
in theater, which is why I'm working so hard to make what I want because I haven't seen it completely yet. And I also haven't been able to really fit into some of the ideas that have made it on stage. A lot of those roles are have been written for deaf people or the roles have been given to hearing people who are singers or dancers who have who were taught some sign language for their role. So yes, that's a huge motivation of mine is to be able to create roles that I can actually fit into and I can bring my community with me on stage and do all of this work together. That's amazing. Now, I actually want to build on that and ask what changes or things are you most excited for in the theater? And I kind of want to build on that idea where you said you haven't you've yet to see what you want on the stage. What is what is that that thing that you want on the stage? What does it look like? Yeah, well, it's really interesting. I mean, I told you a little bit about my background as an ASL interpreter and specifically a performance interpreter for theater. You know, when you see a show on stage, whether it's theater or a concert, and you you watch the show that has been built and lit and staged, and then you see the interpreting team that's off the stage, down on the ground, or they're to the far right or left in their own light, that is something that I've done for many years, and that's been kind of the standard, but it's not enough. It's not enough for me. It's not enough for my friends who are amazing performers and artists with so much talent because that world really limits what those people who know sign language plus dance plus theater can do. They're stuck in a a box, literally, and they can't move the rest of their bodies, but they, they are there only to represent the language and the music. And what I am working to do and what I've done with many groups, you know, I worked, I've worked with choreographers and movement directors and directors to integrate the sign language that is being provided by the deaf interpreters, the hearing interpreters, by myself, and to work with the people on stage to provide something that is an integrated performance that has music and dance and theater and sign language all all on stage together. That's my goal in this world and in this life is to make theater that has all of those things because that's when I'm the happiest myself is when I can when I can sing, when I can dance, when I've got a script and when I have deaf and hearing people on stage who can sign who are doing all of that at the same time. Yes, I love that. I want to turn a little now to your one of your companies that you're associated with, Up Until Now Collective, which is an interdisciplinary company. You do a lot of great work across the spectrum of theater. And I want to just touch on, you know, some of the stuff you've done recently. Would you mind telling us a few of the things that you've done recently? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Up Until Now Collective was founded in the summer of 2020, right in the middle, in the very beginning and throughout the pandemic. It was created by myself and my partner, Kevin Newbery, and our executive producer, Jekka Barry, and then our lead videographer and director of photography, Marcus Shields. So the four of us got together and Kevin is an opera and TV and film and theater director and has been for the past 25 years. And the fact that his world is so akin to mine 
except in he has opera, which is like mad, strong singing. And I have sign language, which has which is required my whole entire life and the community, the deaf community and linguistics all inside of my body. So we're really a formidable team. And in the summer of 2021, we were we had this really beautiful new. New York Times article that came out about us and the work that we were doing. We made a series of American Sign Language music videos. It was it, the series is called Soul Signs, an ASL playlist. And one of those songs was Midnight Train to Georgia, where we grabbed our friend and a non-binary artist named Mervyn Primo O'Brien. And they are amazing. And so Mervyn played Gladys Knight and I played the Pips and that was a beautiful thing. And so we actually got the Midnight Moment, which is something that happens in Times Square in New York City throughout the month of July, every night from for from 1157 to midnight. We had our film screened on 85 screens in Times Square simultaneously which was beautiful because we subtitled it. It had, you know, it had captions, but the captions weren't just below. They were integrated into the whole entire filming of it. And and that's the kind of work that we we make. We make work that's not just accessible for the deaf community, but it, it's, it's accessible for everybody. And it's art that's for everyone. That's amazing. I love that. And I love those midnight moments in Times Square. I stumbled upon it. So I have seen... How amazing that is. So I'm just imagining this video coming up. I, oh, that's incredible. It was, it was really special. And we have, you know, if you visit our website up until now, collective.com, you can see, you know, our video projects and, you know, the Soul Signs series. We also did another series of Soul Signs opera where we made three opera, ASL opera music videos. And those three videos, the series was actually selected by Real Abilities Film Festival. So we just did that. And then Outfest and Newfest in LA and here in New York. That was a big, we've had a big summer. That that was 2023. And then we did this really beautiful work project with Music Not Impossible, which is a group of, of, it's, it's called Haptics. So if you're not familiar with Haptics, that's, you know, what you're, well, your watch, your iPhone watch or your iPhone itself will do when it vibrates. It's just electronic signals that let you know that something is happening, right? And so Music Not Impossible, they're a company that has these vests that have activators all over them and they program those activators with software. And so we took one song that we actually made a film called Up Until Now and we we collaborated with Music Not Impossible to give them the score of our film, which is 11 minutes long. The first half is just sound that is, uh, you know, me driving and the woods and, and, you know, crickets and things like that. And then, and then halfway through music starts, music by written and composed by Gregory Spears. And it's, it's so beautiful because we gave them that audio track and then they program that with their software into the vests. And then we have a live installation where you could go and as, a, as an audience member and watch this film while wearing this vest and feel the 
feel the things that are happening, not just the music, but you know, the bumping of the car, of the truck in the forest and all these things that we intentionally chose for the audience to experience. And there were deaf people who came to see the show. There were blind people. There were deaf blind people, hearing people, people in wheelchairs. And so that's what we mean by making work that's for everybody that includes the things that we love. And for me, that's American Sign Language also. Oh, amazing. I love all of this. This is amazing. I'm learning so much. And you've kind of sort of preempted my next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I mean, you've got this great company that's enacting such great change in the theater world. Up until now, Collective sounds like you are. You're just changing the world and you're making it better. But what other changes are you most excited for in the theater industry or do you want to see made in the theater industry going forward? Yeah, I think, you know, going back to ASL interpretation compared to performance in American Sign Language Dance Theater, I think in interpretation, oftentimes interpreters can forget who they're working for. And interpreters are working for deaf people in order to facilitate communication. It becomes a little bit blurry when there's performance because the interpreter is going to enjoy themselves and the interpreter has to also convey the spirit of the message, which is in in any situation, music and theater, it's very personal, right? And you're also conveying what the character is doing. And so there's a lot more expression and a a lot more spirit involved than interpreting for you know, the mayor or the government, for example. But with American Sign Language Dance Theater, that is where I know, that's that's what I haven't seen. It's what I'm creating with the deaf community. And we're actually making, so I was the recipient of two really important grants back in 2021, which is the Creative Capital Award and the New England Foundation for the Arts grant. Both are really prestigious grants um, that provide a lot of institutional support. And it was all under the, the auspices of this show, which is The Wild Party. And so back in 2015, I, I got the opportunity to interpret Andrew Lippa's Wild Party. And that really inspired me because I was interpreting with my CODA friend. And when that music came into my body and out my face and hands, I was like, whoa, the story itself, I thought, oh, this needs deaf people and signing, the deaf community needs to own this story. The reason behind that is because historically in our theater community, the deaf community and film or television, the deaf community does not have a lot of representation that is kind of, that is gritty. There's a lot of like, you know, oh, deaf sign language is so pretty. And, you know, look at this nice story of this hearing person and this deaf person and how they get along so well. And, And that's nice, but we've seen that many times over. And we have the film Coda, which is great. And and the deaf community is is largely happy about that. But with the Wild Party, the content is about a lot of dark things. It's about infidelity. It's about murder. It's about drugs. It's about sex. It's about profanity and about kind of hedonism and partying and all of those things that are 
incredibly human that that's part of what makes our theater world so fascinating because it provides vicarious experience for the audience to watch a story and feel like they're they're doing those things but they're not actually doing them you know the audience is learning the lessons that the characters are learning without having to actually do the drugs or have the sex or you know kill the person and there's not a lot of deaf stories or signing stories or stories from the deaf community that deal with that at all. So that's my high motivation is to humanize the deaf community even further and to show the relationships what it looks like to have a party where everyone knows sign language, whether they're hearing or deaf. And then also this the huge aspect of my of the wild party is that, you know, what I've seen in theater often is shadowing of a deaf, let's say there's a hearing person who is singing and a deaf person who is signing and they play the same character. What happens with that often is deaf people feel like an interpreter. They, they're depending on the hearing person's experience of music. And so, I want deaf people and people who know sign language to experience the music and express it in their own way as their own character. And that's what the Wild Party is, is for. And it's to show dancing and signing. And what we're doing is we're taking away the singing voice and replacing it with live musical instruments. So for example, we have Queenie and Queenie is a, is a deaf person in this show who signs and that is their voice and their voice is also an alto saxophone who is you know a hearing musician but that hearing musician and queenie the deaf actress they have a relationship together and that is fascinating to watch we've had two workshops thus far where we did that work and we had one audience member who said you know what this is like jazz plus this is mind blowing because that person said, I don't know ASL and I actually don't know this story, but when I watched this workshop, I heard the words, the message in my head and it made sense. And I was like, yes, did it. So there's more to be done. Yes, I'm just imagining that in my head and I was like, I could see this where I'm going to assume there might've been like subtitles to say, to show what they would be signing, but I can just, how beautiful is that, that we would just be hearing uh, us in the hearing community, we'd hear this beautiful, these instruments speaking, if you will, but not without speaking. And our brain wouldn't even know the difference. <laughs> yes. I mean, that, that is, that's the, that's the big next goal. And thank you for mentioning that, you know, the other two aspects of, of the ASL wild party are subtitles, are titles, which historically we've seen either supra in opera, for example, above the action or subtitles, which we've seen below what have you. But what I need myself is I want to see the titles happen where the action is happening. So in like eight different places on stage, if someone enters, you know, in a balcony upstage right, then I want to see those titles there, you know, and I haven't seen that enough. It has been done and it's it's happening. But again, not in the way that I want to see it. 
So there's that. And then there's also the idea of working with Music Not Impossible and having these vests, these haptics vests, and putting them on the people who are on stage so that deaf people don't have to work so hard on their, usually deaf people have to be incredibly visual when they're on stage because they have to see, you know, where the, where's the music happening? Where's my cue? You know, where, where am I going? Where am I landing? And it's just, it's a lot of work for deaf people's eyes, but to have some kind of technology where they're, that's wearable and that cues deaf people. And then not only deaf people would be wearing it, but also, you know, any hearing person who's in the show and also the audience so that the audience and the people on stage can have a kind of a symbiotic experience. And this is a humongous endeavor. I mean, it's taking, I started this in 2015 and, you know, got these grants in 2020, 2021. And here we are in 2023. So, you know, we've made some beautiful things and, and we'll have more eventually, but it is, it's a lot of steps and it's a lot to do it correctly with the right approach. And we don't want to move too fast and we don't want to do anything wrong because we don't want to cause any harm to anyone. And it's very sensitive. You know, the material is sensitive. The, the idea is exciting and it's also very complicated. switch things up now for the second part and i want to give our fans a chance to get to know you a little bit better and i want to start by asking you what or who inspires you like what playwrights or composers or shows have inspired you in the past or some of your favorites hmm that's a great question i think without naming specific names i think it it's more about the qualities of and characteristics about people who inspire me, which are people who are genuine and who are incredibly vulnerable on stage and and when they're not acting. I think that transparency in all of our mediums of film, television, stage, music, those are the people that I gravitate to the most. People who are innovative and who are not afraid to create and who are not afraid to collaborate and not afraid to to take risks and at the same time to be sensitive and to make mistakes and apologize if anything is off color or misunderstood or unintentionally done. I think when people are quick to own themselves and their actions, you know, Saying all those things, I think of Jennifer Lawrence, you know, I think of Paul Rudd, I think of Janelle Monet and uh, Alicia Keys. I think of these people who you watch them as stars and the amount of pressure that they receive from the public is immense, but they're what they say and how they say it and what they do and how they follow what they say with what they do. I'm like, yes, all y'all, you're amazing. I love that. And that is a great list to have. What a wonderful answer to that. I now want to ask you, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? 
I think my favorite part about working in the theater is the ability to relive moments of life. And even if it's the same script and the same music, same story, you have the opportunity to relive moments in your life, which is not real life. <laughs> there are so many times when we look back and I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that again. Whether it was good or terrible, I wish I could do it over. And in theater, you can. And it's what makes my life so special to be able to do that. That is a wonderful answer and a great lead into my favorite question to ask guests, which is what is your favorite theater memory? Wow. Favorite theater memory. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's a big question. Well, I think maybe when I watch, it's a, it's a toss up between the two. You know, I told you about 2015 when I interpreted the wild party and I, and I absorbed all of that and got to experience it and, and have the idea of the wild party. But I think Newsies, when I interpreted Newsies, and I hadn't, I wasn't familiar at the time with Broadway, it, the power of Broadway. I mean, my family is a deaf family. So we didn't really have a lot of exposure to Broadway music. And I grew up in Washington state. So like that's very far away from New York city. And I wasn't familiar with Newsies. And at the same time, here I am interpreting the show and we had to watch the show beforehand so that we could understand the story and we had the script and everything. But I, I watched these young kids of multi-ethnicities and sizes and talents tumble and sing and dance. And I was like, oh my God, I want to be them. Like I can totally do those things. And my job was to only interpret. So it was interesting that like kind of box that I was in but the box that exploded open in front of my face at the same time. And it was exciting to be able to get their words in my body. But at the same time, I was like, oh, but I want to be on stage. Like, that's what I'm here for. So I think that was one really like poignant moment in my theater world. I love that. That's a wonderful memory. Thank you so much for sharing that. Of Do course. you or your companies have any other projects or productions coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug? We do. I mean, we are, we're getting ready to, we're applying for a few different grants and artist residencies to where we will be doing our installation again, which is that it's called Up Until Now Collective. And well, our company is Up Until Now Collective, but the film is Up Until Now and it's this haptics installation. And I can't really talk about when it will be because we still are waiting for these grants, but that's coming. So I would say, keep your eye on our website. And like you said, when it, you're like, I have a, you know, a blank check right on it. We are looking for producers. We're looking for developmental partners. We're looking for people who want to be making interdisciplinary, challenging, innovative, new art that involves the deaf and disability communities along with music and dance and theater and film. Ah, there's one thing. So one, I'm working on a one person show right now 
I was inspired to make this, this piece. I don't even know if I can really announce it. I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of want to hold it until it's actually there and until I actually have the dates. So that's a hard one. But it's it's a it's an ASL dance theater aerial piece. And it's I can just tell you that it's to the song Freedom by George Michael. But there's also Christine and the Queens, Chris and the Queens, they have their version as well. So I've worked with a sound, an audio engineer to mash them up together and then worked with the director of artistic sign language to sign the whole entire song. But then I'm also dancing, worked with a choreographer and I'm doing aerial, an aerial hoop, signing in that hoop. And I've worked with my coach also. So, you know, as a person who can do a lot of things, I have decided that, you know, with my hyper able body and hyper able mind, I have to do things that would be really hard for anyone else to be able to do. And this act is not easy. I mean, it's incredibly challenging. So I'm excited to do it, to film it, to get it out into the world, and then to build upon that act to make it a one-person show. So there will be more about when it is, where it is, but right now it's just in development. Well, that sounds incredible. Oh my gosh, I need to see this. And you have so many irons in the fire, and that's a perfect lead into my final question so that we can all stay tuned. If our listeners want more information about you or any of your production companies, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? Yeah, definitely. Well, you can find more information about me personally on my website at brandonkazen-maddox.com. That's a hyphen, just, you know, the character. And then you can learn more about Up Until Now Collective at upuntilnowcollective.com. We do a lot of work with a lot of different organizations and we do post and you can also find us on Instagram. Same things, Brandon Kazen Maddox and Up Until Now Collective. And then you can find more information about, you know, Kevin's work, my partner. He's an opera director. He's, he's getting ready to go to San Francisco to direct the Steve Jobs opera, which is really cool. Far from New York City, but something interesting to watch. Jekka Berry just had a show called Home that she is ma- she's, she's making that now. And then Illinois, she just did that too. So, but yeah, for me and Up Until Now Collective, that is because we are a collective. And it's important to really share what all of us do, because we don't do this alone, you know? And that's my favorite part of of the theater world, is that you do not do this alone. Even if it's a one-person show, there are so many hands and eyes and hearts and spirits and minds that are on your work. So we want to collaborate with people who who are like-minded, but also have their own beautiful, brilliant ideas because all boats rise together. Yes. Yes, that's wonderfully put. Another thing that I'm involved in is it's an organization called RISE, which is, it's really RISE Theater Directory, which is established and founded by uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda and the Miranda Family Foundation. So I'm part of the Circle of Advocates, the COA of Rise Theater Directory. And it's our job as the the circle of advocates to use the knowledge that we have in the theater industry, that we see what 
needs improvement, that we see what's worked, that we use what we know is access focused and equity focused and bring that forward and share it with more people. So you can also find them on Instagram, Rise Theater, and then there's also a website too. And you just Google that. But it's really important. There are some huge names that are involved with that. And I'm, I'm so grateful to be involved. It was beautiful to meet Lynn and do that work and continue that work now. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. This has been one of the most fascinating conversations I've ever gotten the chance to have. I've learned so much. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Andrew. And I hope to, you know, that all of these things, I know that they will, but they'll come to fruition and that we'll be able to meet in person after you come and see some of these shows and we can hug and we can talk about it and we can have more interviews with more people. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. My guest today has been the ASL artist Brandon Kazen Maddox who is an incredible artist on their own, but has opened our mind and our world to this beautiful artistry being performed and done by ASL artists. They're also involved with two other production companies, Body Language Productions, and their collective, Up Until Now Collective, which is an interdisciplinary company. They've got some great stuff coming with that. So you want to follow them. You can do so by visiting their website, upintonowcollective.com, or finding them on Instagram at the same handle. You should also make sure you follow Brandon. You can find him on his website, brandonkazen-maddox.com. Same thing on that Instagram handle. You're going to want to keep tabs on Brandon. They are doing incredible stuff. They've got a great short film that's going to be coming out later, hopefully this summer, maybe fall of a wonderful performance with aerials in it. They're working on a great reimagining of a wonderful show. They're just doing incredible work. I don't know about all of you out there, but this interview has just opened my mind to amazing things. So I hope you will Support these amazing artists. I hope you will tune in and follow Brandon and the Up Until Now Collective. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.